Welcome, everybody. Glad you're here. I am so glad that Thanksgiving is over because now you can bring out all the Christmas trees, the Christmas decorations, the Christmas songs. Let me just say this. If you brought them out before Thanksgiving was over, you're wrong. You need to be in a mental hospital, probably locked away in a jail somewhere. You don't belong here. Just kidding. You're all welcome, wanted, loved. By raise of hands, how many of you, uh, you, as kids, you got to uh, set up Christmas lights outside of your homes? Your parents like brought you up. They're like, yeah, that's what we do. We go all out, right? See, we were not one of those families. We were the creepy family that's like strolling through your neighborhood in our minivan with like all of us kids. My family and I were like sitting there going, oh man, that person's lights are cool. Meanwhile, you're probably in your living room going, why are they parked outside of our, our driveway? They're so creepy, right? Now, I I love uh, decorating. Um, Actually, scratch that. I love watching you decorate. I'm not a big decorator. I'll just be honest. I'll tell you what my house looked like prior to getting married to my wife. Uh, so I lived in a third, on the third story of our apartment complex. I mean, you walk in, I've got plasticware, paper plates, plastic cups. I don't got any silverware because why waste time putting uh, stuff in the dishwasher when you could just throw it away? Probably saves more money anyway. I don't got to run the dishwasher. Don't got to raise up my electric bill, right? Uh, and then I had a folding chair, so I didn't have any actual furniture. I had a folding chair that I actually stole from the church. I didn't steal it, but I had it. Okay. Had it from the church. Um, and it was sitting in my, like the top floor. So in case I ever wanted to chill and relax in the, in uh, my living room, I'd just be pull out the folding chair, sit in it. It was great. I uh, had no TV, my mattress. Some of you guys totally relate to this cause it's still on the floor. My mattress was on the floor, no box spring. Okay. You don't need a box spring. Why waste extra money on a box spring? How many of you definitely have that going on at your house? Some of you are too ashamed to admit that. That is okay, because I'm not. Now, I'm not much of a decorator, but my wife, she likes to take it up a notch even during the holidays. She has done such an amazing job decorating our home. So needless to say, our home has changed quite a bit, and I've had to experience a lot of change already as is, getting married, let alone someone coming into our home and just putting all kinds of stuff all over the place. Now, when I say she takes it up a notch during the holidays, like, like you got to remember, like I didn't put up a tree. I didn't got no, I, like no lights, no nothing in my home, uh, no ornaments, none of that. She comes home and she's like, oh, babe, I think we should get a real tree. I grew up in Texas and Florida. We don't got real trees there. Like you wanted a real tree. It's shipped into Home Depot. You go to Home Depot and get your real tree. Straight up. That's, we did that one year. And I was like, that was so dumb. I'm never doing that again. But my wife, she's like, babe, like we got to, we got to get a real tree. Cause that's what she did when she was growing up. And that's probably what some of you did when you were growing up. You probably still do it. <laughs> and I'm sitting there going, this just sounds like a waste of time and a waste of money. Okay. Why not get a fake tree? We'll have it for years and years. We'll have it for the kids. We'll have it for all the, all the years to come. Why get a, why get a real tree when you could just have an awesome, amazing fake tree? She didn't see it that way. So we go and we're getting this real tree. So we go get this real tree for our first Christmas ever together, right? This is so cute. 
And uh, we go, and I have to lug this thing up to the third story. I mean, I'll just tell you what, like, I'm not, like, having a great time. She's like, oh, isn't this so much fun? I'm like, yeah, this is so much fun. Again, we live on the third story, so I got to lug this thing up. She's like, she's like running up the stairs. I got the door. I'm like, yeah, thanks. So I take this trip, I'm like bear hugging it up the, up, the, up the steps, like all the way up. And I get there. Oh, and by the way, real trees, they're such a slap in the face because then you got to buy the thing that you put the real tree into, like the little stand thing. And you got to water an absurd amount of times. I hate those things. But so I brought it up, stick it in its tree stand thing, screw the screws in. And I look at my shirt and there's just sap everywhere. And I, like, I just about lost it. Like I got so angry, so frustrated. I'm just like, wanted to kick the stupid tree. Like, I'm like, and maybe she won't see, but I'll just launch it off the top of the, uh, off the roof. Like I hated this dumb, stupid tree. And I was having a bad attitude because to me, it was seemed like a, a waste of time, seemed like a waste of space. It's now taking up more place. My, my fold-out chair won't even fit there. And it seemed like a waste of money to me. Now, but to her, she's sitting there going, this is such a fun experience. We're creating new traditions together. And all I can think about is the money that's coming out of our bank account. And as some of you are going, dude, you need to live a little. I know. That's how I was raised, so thank my dad. But here we are during the most wonderful time of the year, arguing, getting upset with one another, thinking your traditions, like, I don't like this tradition. What about the tradition where we just sit on the couch and, like, watch football and, like, do that? Like, where's that tradition? So the question is, what was, what was going on? What was making us so upset? And it's these two little words. Well, I guess they're not little words, but these two words. Unmet expectations. Unmet expectations. Both of us had expectations, but the breakdown didn't come until we didn't communicate them to one another. Right? She's wanting to create new traditions. She's wanting to create all these new ideas, this fun experiences. And I'm sitting here going, that just sounds like a waste of time, waste of money. Now, I know some of you might be going, Bryce, it didn't sound like you had expectations. I had expectations, only my expectations were that we don't do any of this stuff. We don't do any of this. We just sit back, we chill, because guess what? We're not even spending Christmas here, so we're not putting presents under the tree, so what in the world is the purpose of the tree there? I didn't communicate any of that. I didn't communicate any of my expectations, and here's what was happening. Both of us got frustrated. Why? We got frustrated because, or we got frustrated with each other, began making assumptions of one another's motives. We began making assumptions of one another's motives. For instance, she probably thought I was the Grinch that was trying to steal Christmas. I don't want that tree. Get that thing out of here. I don't want no lights right? She could have easily seen me as, you know, you're just a fun killer. You don't want us to have fun. And to me, she honestly kind of felt like the over the top dad from Christmas vacation. How many of you know that you just got to, you just got to tell everybody, let everybody know that you got the best looking house, right? You just want to decorate for decorating sake. You want everybody to look at your home and just think that you have the nicest home. 
right? I, I started assuming motive. And what happens is each person starts making assumptions as to why they're doing what they're doing. And here's what I know. I know I'm not alone in this. I know that actually every single person in this room struggles with the very same thing. You might not realize it and you might not even realize how often it comes up in your relationships. And you'd be surprised how much of your frustrations, your disappointments, your irritations, your anger could be chalked up to, I had unmet expectations. Right, and we could go on and on and talk about how this occurs, right? We could do a whole relationship series and talk about how this happens all the time in our relationships, right? I talk to couples about this all the time. Where we say, hey, you have unmet expectations. You didn't communicate your expectations, therefore it's not fair. But here's what I wanna talk about tonight, what I really wanna hone in on is that believe it or not, we actually have, and you actually have, unmet expectations when it comes to your relationship, not just with people, but with God. A lot of us in this room have unmet expectations when it comes to our relationship with God. But here's the thing, I've got good news for you, because guess what? You're not alone, I'm not alone. In fact, the very first Christmas was full of unmet expectations. The very first Christmas. So if you have your Bibles, please turn with me to Zechariah chapter nine. If you don't have your Bibles, it will be on the screen. If you got a phone, you definitely got a Bible. This is the only time I'm gonna ask you to get on your phone. You can go to Zechariah chapter nine. We'll be reading in the NIV translation. And as you're flipping, turning, scrolling there, whatever you got to do to get there, uh, just to give you some context, Zechariah is a prophet. A prophet was somebody that God used to speak to the nation of Israel, to his chosen people, the Jews. And Zechariah was actually the last prophet to speak. People didn't know this at the time, but he was the last prophet to speak on behalf of Yahweh, on behalf of God to the nation of Israel. Do you know how much time elapsed till Jesus, till the, till Jesus was born, the birth of Jesus? 500 years. 500 years elapsed until the birth of Jesus. And so Zechariah, like I said, who's the final prophet, he says this about this Messiah that is to come. Zechariah verse, or chapter 9, verses 9 through 10. He says, rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. I will take away the chariots from Ephraim and the war horses from Jerusalem and the battle bow will be broken. He will proclaim peace to the nations. His rule will extend from sea to sea and from river to the ends of the earth. Now, the Jews hearing this, what history tells us, they weren't necessarily expecting this little infant Jesus to come from a scandalous virgin birth. 
They expected a warrior. They expected a ruler, someone who would give them justice, someone to take charge, someone to reign over their enemies, to create this kingdom there on that earth. I mean, just imagine 500 years go by and it seems like God is silent. He's no longer speaking through any prophet. Like imagine you're in that moment. God says, I'm going to bring this Messiah. I'm going to bring this, this, this Messiah who's going to save you. Oh, and on top of this, you're actually captured by the Roman empire and under their authority now, and you're doing whatever in the world they'd want you to do. I mean, just imagine that feeling of going, God, where is this Messiah that you've promised? It seems like you've abandoned us. It seems like you have left us, yet your word says you'll never leave us nor forsake us. Imagine 500 years. That's not like just your grandfather, your grandfather's grandfather, your grandfather's grandfather's grandfather, but like the grandfather's 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 grandfather. Like I lost some of you. I know I did. That's where it's supposed to be, right? Like this is Happened for so long. Imagine telling your kids, yeah, there's going to be a Messiah that's coming. And then they're telling their grandkids, yeah, supposedly there's a Messiah coming. And then you get to the greatest grandkid and they're like, yeah, some grandfather from back in the day said the Messiah is coming, but I don't actually know. Right? Like, can you imagine like trying to feel that and go, God, where are you? I'd had an expectation that you were going to show And so they're looking for a Messiah. And now it's turned into a Messiah to save them from their captivity under the Roman Empire. And Zechariah 9.16, this is where they get it from, where it says the Lord, will, their God will save his people on that day as a shepherd saves his flock. They will, they will sparkle in his land like jewels in a crown. And then Jesus is born. The Messiah, the Savior, coming from Bethlehem and everyone is expecting a warrior, a savior from a noble birth, a king's birth. This has got to be one of our king's kids, at least one of our priest's kids. But instead we find an infant born of a very scandalous birth from a so-called virgin. Right, the people expected a ruler, but instead they got a foot-washing servant. They expected the Messiah to pick the team of the religious rulers, but instead Jesus goes and picks the team of outcasts. They expected Jesus to condemn sinners, but instead he ate with sinners. They expected someone to save them from the tyranny that was Rome once and for all and set up this kingdom on this earth, but instead what they got and what we got is a king who saved us from the reign of sin and death, the tyranny of sin and death, to set up a kingdom that was far beyond what this world could ever have to offer us. I think it's safe to say that if you're a Jew at this time, you're going, my reality is not quite meeting up with the expectations that I had of you, God. This wasn't what I expected a ruler. I expected someone to just come down and go, hey, we're going to take over the Roman Empire. And what I'm getting is some infant talking about peace. So often what we think is that having expectations is the problem. 
I was looking through some different quotes on the internet about expectations um, and just seeing like, hey, what are some things people say about it? I mean, pretty much it's super depressing. You go and they always say, just don't have expectations. Have less expectations. Your life's going to be great. Here's the thing. The problem is not having expectations. Having expectations is not a bad thing. In fact, it's something that you will always have, whether you like it or not. Most often we don't even realize that we have expectations until something inside of us is disappointed, until you get a little frustrated about something, until something in your life is not going the way that you planned it to go, that you thought it should go, that something you're going, man, why in the world? You have an expectation that is now not being met and that is creating some frustration, maybe some hurt, maybe some disappointment, and now it's turning into disengagement, isolation. So if having expectations isn't bad, then what in the world do we do with them? I'll share this story. I, uh, I grew up a uh, pastor's kid. I, I've shared uh, most of this story with a lot of you guys, uh, and I'll just kind of breeze through it. So I grew up, and uh, my mom, so my mom was sexually assaulted by our worship pastors, my dad's best friend at the time. And from there, we ended up having to fight that battle, and, and we ended up having to move because of it. It was super devastating for my family. And I had all my friends in Texas and then we moved to Florida and now I ain't got no friends. And I'm at a Christian private Christian school and it's the worst of the worst because these people are so clicky. They don't want to make friends. And so I, I felt like an outcast. And then fast forward, I've, I've got a scholarship to go play ba college basketball, which was my dream. Like I wanted to do that. And then from there, I'm dating this girl. We're dating for two years now. Like this is the girl, like I think I'm going to marry. I love her. I think she's awesome. And then all of a sudden, I lose my scholarship due to an injury. The same exact week, I wasn't able to go on a missions trip. So I had to give my money to my best friend. My best friend and my girlfriend ended up cheating on me on the missions trip together. And, and so from there, uh, they come back and, and the youth pastor calls my dad and, you know, my dad's talking to me and I'm like, oh my gosh, like I got to go break up with her. Like I'm, I'm so devastated at this point and I'm so angry. I'm so mad. And I go, she tries lying to me and then she finally tells the truth and we break up. My dad said before he left, Bryce, call me. As soon as you break up with her, I don't want you driving when you're this emotionally unstable. I said, sweet, cool. I called him. I met him in a Starbucks parking lot. I'll never forget, it's pouring rain. And my dad comes into the car with me, gets in the passenger seat. And I'm sitting there, none of us are saying anything. And I'm, I'm just fuming. I am angry. I am so livid as to what is going on. And I'm just thinking back on every single thing that had been happening. And my dad goes, Bryce, what's going on? And I lost it. 
I mean, I never swore in front of my dad like that. I'm never, he's a pastor. Like, I'm not going to swear in front of a pastor, right? And so I'm like swearing up and down, like, you've got to be kidding me. Like, God does not care about me. God does not love me. He, like, why would he allow that to happen to mom? Why would he make us move when, when they should have been the ones moving? Why in the world do we have a church that wouldn't stand up for what's right? Why in the world do I, I have this dream? I have this goal for what I want to do, who I want to be in my life. And God just shatters that with one simple injury just like that. And then I have this girl that I, I think I'm going to marry, that I think I'm going to make my wife. And what in the world, God, like what I'm with my best friend, like now I get, now I've got my best friend. And so I'm just, I'm, I'm angry and I'm talking to my dad. And I'm just going, you tell me why God is doing this. And he just sits there and he doesn't really have many words, but he just says, Bryce, I'm so sorry. And I don't know why God's allowing this to happen. And you know what? In that moment, that's exactly what I needed to hear. I didn't need someone fixing me, giving me the, the, the best fixer-upper advice. Hey, Bryce, God has a plan for this. Okay, cool, Dad. I didn't need that, right? Now, deep down, I, I knew, like, okay, God's going to work all this out for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Like, I knew that Bible verse. And then he said to me, he said, he said, Bryce, have you shared any of this with God? I was like, what? Well, I don't know if you know, but like God kind of knows everything going on, dad, right? Like you're a pastor. You should know this, right? God knows everything going on. Why do I have to communicate it to him? And I remember he asked me this question. Well, what do you do when you're, when you have a conflict with somebody you're in relationship with? And I knew the answer. I was like, I go to the person I have conflict with. I know I hash it out and I don't go to tell other people about it. I go directly to the person. And he says, so you have a relationship with God. Why would you not do the same thing with God? I was like, that's a good point. But I don't think I, I could say all that. You know, don't, don't you think he'd be mad? He goes, you look at David. David said some of the exact same stuff. And he was considered a man after God's own heart. I'm like, really? He's like, yeah. Do you think God can handle you being a little upset with him? Yeah. Do you think God knows that you're upset with him? Oh yeah, I guess he probably does. In relationship, wouldn't you think, wouldn't you want to know if someone was upset with you? Yeah, I would want to know that. Okay. And I remember I, I went and hashed it out, right? Hashed it out with God. I'm like sitting there like screaming. I'm like, God, I don't know why you're doing this and why you're doing that. And I, I, I mean, I literally like had it out in my relationship with Jesus. And at the end, you know what? Like I'm sitting there going, <laughs> no audible voice, no word from heaven came in that moment. And I remember at the end of my prayer, like I just sat there and said, God, I don't know what you're doing or why you're doing it. But Lord, I'm gonna choose to trust you. I don't even know if I believe what I'm saying right now, but I'm gonna say it anyway. I'm gonna choose to trust you. Two weeks later, I'm like, I'm like sunken into like depression. I got nobody, I got no friends, I got nothing. And my parents are trying to get me out of the house and I go to church or so they bring me to a youth group event and I'm there and, you know, I just don't want to be here. This guy comes up to me, kind of more charismatic dude, and, uh, which I wasn't very charismatic at this point. And so he puts his hand on me, he puts his hand on my shoulder and goes, do you mind if I pray with you, brother? And I'm like, sure, brother. <laughs> and so he comes over and he starts praying for me. He says, Bryce, in the middle of his prayer, he just stops. Like he's like praying like typical prayer. And then he stops and he says, Bryce, God wants me to tell you this right now that he hears you crying out to him in the middle of the night and he wants you to know he loves you. And I was like, huh? 
but I'm like sitting there super skeptical. I've, I've heard God loves me all my life. If you ever grew up in church, you're, you're, you've heard that. Then he's praying again and he just stops and he says it again. He says, Bryce, I don't think you're hearing what God wants you to hear right now, that he loves you personally. And he hears you crying out to him in the middle of the night. I'm sitting there and I'm like, okay, okay, okay. And then I'm like getting uncomfortable. And then he says it one more time and I lost it. Like I just started crying. And it was this genuine moment of realizing that all God wanted from me was to open this door so that we could communicate with one another. That God was asking me, Bryce, when are you going to take our relationship seriously? Relationships are always a two-way street, yet most of us treat our relationship with God like it's just a genie in a lamp, a one-way street of, God, I expect this, so why aren't you doing it? I expect things to go my way. I expect things to go this way. And you seem to be taking me this completely opposite way. God, why? This is so important for us to get, and I, I pray that you don't miss this. In order for a relationship to grow, it requires something of you. It requires an expectation conversation. In order for your relationship with God to take the next step that you might that he might have for you, it requires an expectation conversation. If you have unmet expectations with God, which I can almost put, put money on the house for this, that you have unmet expectations with God. And God wants more than anything. And if anything, he, I believe part of my story and part of why I went through that is so I could communicate with you here tonight and go, God wants to have a conversation with you. He doesn't want your relationship with him to be a one-way street anymore. He wants it to be something where you communicate with him and you listen to what he has for you. James 1.5 says this, if any of you lacks wisdom, Ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. Well, what does that mean? How many of you lacks wisdom? Well, wisdom we talk about is seeing as God sees. Right? If we could see as God sees, we'd be more inclined to do as God says. Wisdom is seeing as God sees, having a greater perspective. And here's what's key. Not trying to get God to align with my expectations, or sorry, uh, Aligning my expectations with God rather than trying to get God to align with my expectations. I'm going to say that again. Having greater perspective to not try to get God to align with my perspective. God going, God, I want you to do what I'm asking you to do. I need you to go where I'm asking you to go. I want to be over here. I want to be married by now. I want to have this by now. And realizing that in relationship... I have to align with what God has for me. Here's the hard part, about, hard part about expectations. And you get this if you're in relationship with anybody. Just because I expect it doesn't mean that it happens or that it happens in the way that I want it to happen. Just because you expect it 
doesn't mean that it happens or that it happens in the way that you expect it to happen. Every relationship is a two-way street, and especially in your relationship with God. Most often we just expect him to give us what we think is best. And this is honestly where, where it's so hard for me when something isn't going the way that I imagined it should go, I make assumptions. This is so key. I make assumptions of God's motive that he is out to get me or that I have a better plan than what he has for me. Here's the key, friends. A lot of us do this in here. You make an assumption that, God, either you don't know what's best for me. That's why I'm going to keep jumping into my own puddle. That's why I want to keep doing my thing. I don't want to listen to you because I think I've got what's best for my life. I think I know what's best. God, you don't. Right? And make an assumption that God's motive is to hurt me. God's motive isn't for me. He's for himself. He's selfish. but God is actually for you and for me and what's best for us. And as I sit back and look at my story, I realize when I did things the way that I wanted or thought best, sure, it was fun on the front end. We always say sin is fun until it's not. Super pleasurable. It's, it's freeing. It feels freeing on the front end, but on the back end, it reaps consequences. When I did things the way that I wanted or I thought best, sounded fun on the front end, but reaped so many consequences on the back end. And when I chose to see things the way God sees them, I chose to align my expectations and go, God, I'm communicating them. And God's going, hey, I know what you, I know what you want, but that's not where we're going to go right now. God, I, I don't know if I can let this go. Bryce, do you want what's best? Well, yeah, I want what's best. Then you're going to have to let this go. But what if they, what if they don't love me anymore? I don't care. I'm with you. I'm not going to leave you. I've got you. So what about you? What expectations do you feel that you have towards God? Maybe what you thought he should have done or should not have allowed in your life. What expectations do you have with God. And my question and my next question is, have you ever spent time not talking to other people about the expectations that you have with God? I think that's important. I think that's valuable. That's, that's incredibly important. We're going to do that in a minute here in our small groups, but it can't just stay there. Have you ever spent time talking with God about your expectations and doing this very crucial thing, allowing him to speak into them? Do you allow God to speak into your expectations? Maybe you expected your life to go a little differently than it has. Maybe you find yourself disappointed with how things have turned out in your life, right? I'll give some examples, right? Maybe you've moved here. Like, God, why am I here? I'm not making friends. I'm not in the community that I wanted to be in. I'm not where I want to be. I'm here because my parents had to move here. I'm here because my husband got a job here. My wife got a job here. 
I don't want to be here. Maybe you just haven't made any strong friendships yet. You're going, man, I feel like I'm doing the right things. I'm in this community. I'm doing my part. I'm not making any friends yet. Right? Maybe you just got out of a relationship. And you're going, God, I thought that was the one. And it's not meeting your expectations of what you had for your life. Maybe you thought you'd be married right now. Maybe you thought for yourself, you'd have your career by now. What does it look like for you to bring up those expectations with God? And I just want to close with this verse. Isaiah chapter 7, verse 13 through 14. Then Isaiah said, hear now, you house of David. It is not enough to try the patience of humans. Will you try the patience of my God also? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. God with us. Your relationship with God is a two-way street. And God is with you. And he promises to be there for you, to walk with you in everything. And what he does is he shows up and he exceeds our expectations. Where are you having a hard time believing that God is really with you right now? Where are you personally having a hard time believing, yeah, God is with me. God cares about me. In order for this relationship to take its next step, in order for this relationship that you have with God to grow, there has to be, and it requires an expectation conversation. Will you have that expectation conversation with God? Because I promise you, a lot of us have unmet expectations. Let's pray. Father, just thank you, God. Thank you for who you are and what you're doing. Lord, right now, I, God, this is a conversation that just changed my life. God, a conversation that I was so scared to have with you that I honestly was super skeptical about it. I thought it wouldn't work. And God, I've watched as you've just shifted the trajectory of my life and changed me from the inside out. God, that I am not perfect and I still struggle with this. I still struggle with feeling like I have things that I wanted, things that I desire, and that they haven't been met. And God, I realize that, that, that in that, while I need to communicate that with you, that God, I ultimately need to start aligning my will with your will and not trying to get it, you to do your will to my will. God, you're good. You're faithful. We love you. God, please give us the words to say, the courage to have the conversations, the things to bring up in group that we need to talk about with people. We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray.